I'm your host, Char Adams, and this is COVID University, New York. The COVID-19 health crisis is impacting every facet of society, from the economy to social interaction. The virus has upended the theater world too. Broadway theaters abruptly closed in March and performances have been shut down until at least next year. And several local theaters across the country have closed their doors amid the pandemic as well. With that, the world of performing arts has been all but crippled by coronavirus. What was once an interactive night out to see actors deliver moving performances on stage has become a cloud of uncertainty. This is leaving many artists struggling to determine their next steps and the fate of their careers. In response, theaters have turned to streaming pre-recorded productions and inviting audiences to Zoom for immersive experiences. This rise in alternative forms of theater has led to important conversations about the accessibility of in-person theater experiences for people with disabilities. Some have said the shift to digital theater will only last until audiences can have the real thing again. Only time will tell. But one thing is true. The pandemic has deeply affected the theater world and artists and production teams everywhere are tasked with figuring out where to go from here. It's a conversation people everywhere need to join. The performing arts have always been a vital part of society and we can't overlook the fate of the theater in the midst of this crisis. Hello, my name is Frank Henschker. I'm the uh, executive director of the Martin E. Siegel Theater Center at the Graduate Center CUNY. Our work uh, has been deeply impacted by the Corona crisis, the COVID-19 crisis, the time of Corona, as I uh, like uh, to, to talk to it. I had just created the entire spring season. None of the events took place. And very fast, we had to think what to do, how to react. Everything shut down. We had to leave the building. And we are being told in theater we are non-essential. So um, all theaters are closed in New York City. Um, meanwhile, bars, restaurants, you can go outside. Uh, you can eat on the uh, sidewalks. Some stores are open, construction work is going on, but the theater is closed. Uh, so it's a huge crisis, of course, for a whole profession. And it will be the end of uh, many theaters. Many theaters will close. Uh, we had uh, this Carrie Dad switch talk from the Latinx community. She says their small spaces will be closing. Black theaters, who already are less in numbers than before, um, Small places will be uh, closing. Small nonprofits will not survive. Some say a third of all nonprofits won't survive. A third of museums won't survive. A third of foundations will not survive this. So this is a most serious time. And it will mean that there is a little bit less, but perhaps there will also be an opening and there will be new companies, there will be new artists, there will be new forms of theater, whether New York City defines this identity through theater also as one of the few... Uh, towns in the world where theater is so significant, uh, Broadway, but also the nonprofit, the experimental theater, that it's so closely tied to an identity of the city. So what does that mean to a whole uh, a group of professionals who have been working already under very difficult uh, circumstances? And I think it makes me deeply uh, concerned and also forced me to reflect in a most profound way 
about my life, but also about the work I am in. What does it mean to do theater? What does it stand for? What is the right thing to do? What do I have to change in my work at the Graduate Center? We all have to find new ways, new forms, uh, find new ideas to serve uh, those communities we collaborate with, whose work we present, whose work we think is of significance, whose work we think is of importance to tell stories we normally don't hear and uh, to encourage people to listen to stories they normally don't, don't hear. I am Daryl Alejandro Holmes, and I'm an assistant professor at Medgar Evers College in Crown Heights, New York. I'm originally from Panama, and I am a playwright. And my play, Bayano, opened on March 11th at National Black Theater in Harlem, and it closed early due to the COVID-19 pandemic. I think it was an incredible challenge for me, especially thinking about my cast and crew, because I was a part of a team that worked tirelessly to develop the play and then also to put it on its feet. This was a labor of love and represented hours of our time, days of our lives that we had committed to the show. And for me as the playwright, years of research and writing. So it was really challenging when the play's run was canceled. I think that it's a crazy thing to think about your career at this time, even though it's something that we all have to do as unemployment rates start rising and so many things that, so many plans that we've all made for our careers and for our personal lives are shifting. It just feels kind of like I can't wrap my head around what my career looks like when so many people are still dying. And so my career is not something that I'm actively thinking about, but I am actively thinking about my students. I am actively thinking about teaching online. I am actively thinking about the way that the college and the university system overall is responding to this pandemic, what resources we're allocating for students in need, how we can actively support them in their education to make sure that the university continues to live up to its reputation of being an excellent tool for class mobility. So many of our students are the first generation in their family to go to college and it's really important that we not let them slip through the cracks in this moment. And so that's taking up a lot of my attention. And, you know, I, as a playwright, I, I do continue to write. I do continue to create. For me, it's always been a way to process and a way to heal, you know, what heal trauma and a way for me to deal with tragedy in my life. I've always turned to the arts and it's, it's I'm lucky enough to have it as a support in my life and as a way of being in my life. So it is something that I'm actively doing. And I do think that there's an opportunity here to innovate. As challenging as this pandemic is and as disruptive as it is, I think it's an opportunity for artists to rise to that challenge and to innovate new ways of making theater, new ways of sharing stories, new ways of making art and connecting. 
And I'm excited to be part of that innovation. See, theater, a great theater scene, it means life is good, life is healthy, city life, community is there. If there's no theater, something is deeply, deeply wrong. And at the moment, we are in a phase where something is deeply, deeply wrong. We see how fast life can change, how fast life can end. A wrong handshake, a wrong cough can kill you now. It is shocking to not think that, to know that. We thought all our technology, all our science is protecting us. We are immune, we are not. And it's a scary thought. And I think it is of real significance for people to really take the time to think this thing through and support art that helps us to think, to live a better life, to be a better community, to be a better country, to have better forms of democracy, and to, to have freedom of speech, to be inclusive to have all communities represented because not only uh, it is the right thing to do, but it is also better and it helps us to live a life worth living. We'll be right back after these messages. If you're a fan of this show, you might also want to check out our sister series, The Big Shut-In. Long-form conversations with all kinds of people, real people all around the country, to find out the variety of what they're dealing with and how they're coping during the coronavirus crisis. It's unscripted and intimate and really gives you a view into people's lives as they navigate a truly difficult time. You can find The Big Shut-In at racecarradio.com and wherever you get podcasts. I think there's really something special about theater as we typically experience it in New York. I think there's something special about coming together in a room that and sharing space with actors that are on stage, you know, presenting a work and telling a story. The audience is giving feedback to the actors for their performance. The actors are performing for the audience. There's this exchange of energy that happens in the theater space that is really unique and I think really special. And it is a tradition that I teach my students typically to be a part of. However, I'm also really interested in hybrid work and experimental work, and I've always been interested in this. There, there are artists all over the world who have been experimenting and working with video in a theater space in a way that also includes dance and music that has a virtual element where you can participate online or they're interacting with information that's being submitted to them online, live on stage in a video, in a theater space, you know, in an analog way. And I think that a lot of that experimental work, a lot of that, interdisciplinary work has not really made its way to the United States, or if it's here, it's not made its way to the main stage, largely due to economics. The economics of occupying these main stage spaces, thinking of Broadway theaters as an example, is incredibly and often prohibitively expensive. So what this moment does by shutting us out of those spaces, I think, is that it allows US-based artists to innovate and to experiment and to hybridize and to create and play. 
and hopefully find new ways that we can present our writing to new audiences, audiences that maybe couldn't afford tickets to our shows before, audience that couldn't afford to take the time off from work in order to commute long distances, in order to come into the city and see our shows. It allows us, this is a really rich time to innovate and to create something new. And I'm glad that there's an opportunity to do that. I'm glad that there's, if there's a silver lining in this moment, it's that we're outside of those ex expensive theaters and that will give us an opportunity to make work that can be accessed by a, a wider audience and by a more diverse, especially economically diverse, but you know how economic lines often often follow racial lines so then it's also a more racial and ethnically inclusive audience too i am a civilians r d fellow this year and that is their research and development playwrights group and i wrote a play called black feminist video game as a part of that program and that program typically culminates in an in-person reading at the end of the academic year. So we're talking around April and May. And due to the pandemic this year, all of those readings were online. And what I was able to do with my incredibly talented director and wonderful producer, Alana Becker, the director's name is Victoria Collado, and the team, at the civilians as well as the sort of editing squad adventures we can is that we were able to actually produce a video version of the play and in that way we were all collaborating on live video theater and that was a new experience for everyone involved i believe and it was just an opportunity to innovate and you know anytime that you are innovating a solution, it's because you don't have one ready to solve the problem. And so it's always really scary and it's always really hard, but I was really lucky to have such a wonderful team to collaborate with so that it made that process so much easier and we were able to turn what was a really challenging moment into an opportunity where there was also a lot of joy. And, you know, I, I'm, I want to tell my students out there who might be listening or other folks out there who are, who are artists and wondering how to navigate this moment. And I'll say, you know, rise to the challenge because no matter how hard it is, there's a little bit of joy waiting at the end of that rainbow. In a way, even so everybody and now experience art is not uh, essential. Theaters are closed, museums are still closed. It, it was about a time when you saw how significant it is, it is also now. It's now when people need a book at home and read a book. It is now when people listen to music. 
It is now when people perhaps look at the paintings they have. It is now when people long for that experience of art because you miss it. It's like a time of fasting. It's a time of incubation. So I think this will change theater artists. They will work through this, their experience of this time. And I can see that the conversations I have is obviously how, how it's changing them, how much more profound it is, how much more philosophical it is, how much more spiritual it is. So I hope the same will be for the audience and that it will be reflected. And I think that uh, um, perhaps theater will, uh, especially in the non-profit world, will perhaps become a bit more concerned with real issues. The idea of it's just entertainment, it's something you do before you go to dinner and you have to have that Broadway smile or something. Perhaps it will be a little bit less uh, press, uh, uh, significant that people will see a change reflected uh, on stage. Uh, many artists have very serious environmental concerns and think this planet is in real danger. So how can you just have a little show of a love story and, uh, and people go home and they're all happy? Uh, how can you not say there are things we need to think about and maybe you combine it with something that also attracts uh, uh, the liveness, the joy of life, the full experience, whether it's songs or writing or dialogue, but it has to communicate to us the seriousness of uh, the situation we are in. Theater always has been a forum where uh, perhaps mirrored private problems in a family, in a relationship, a forum where poor problems in a society were shown and discussed, perhaps political ideas uh, of what's right or wrong are shown and also in its complexity. A great British playwright Michael Frayn said in a good play, everybody is right. So um, you listen to different opinions, you understand all the contradictions, you see how different layers of realities are overlapping, that there are no easy answers. All the people who tell you that there are easy answers, all the trumps of this world, they say this is like this and not like this, it's black or white, it's someone wins, someone, it's not true. These people are lying in theater. Uh, it shows you that there are no easy answers, that things are complex. So I do think that Perhaps this time of Corona will us make, make all of us a bit more honest uh, and a bit more serious about what we really want, what we really want to achieve in our lives, what we really want to see. Who do you want to spend our time with and what? My name is Shar Adams and this is COVID University, New York. It was produced by David Hoffman, post-production by Garrett Tiedemann, executive producer Peter Christian Eigner. This is a co-production of the Gotham Center for New York City History and Race Car Radio. Initial funding for this series was generously provided by the Seed Time Fund and Lauren Kramer. If you have feedback for us, you can reach us through our Facebook page or email us at coviduniversity at racecarradio.com. If you like the show, please subscribe now and never miss an episode. Just go to racecarradio.com or find us on any of your favorite podcast apps.